A few episodes ago, we talked about biblical manhood. In this episode, we have special guests today as we talk about biblical womanhood. Buckle up and listen in on an all-new episode from C28. We have special guests today. We have Callie back and Cherry back. Both were involved in our biblical manhood discussion, and so we forced them to come back and join us for the biblical womanhood because obviously CJ and I have nothing to say on the subject. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you, uh, just for anybody maybe who's just tuning in for this because they were like, hey, biblical womanhood, I want to listen to that, uh, introduce yourself uh, again. Okay, my name is Callie Griffin, um, member of Cornerstone Church, and which is the church here in Ione that's associated with this podcast. I am a mother of two little girls, a new mother. Um, they're, I can never remember their ages. I'm the worst. People ask I'm glad me you the said time. ages and not names. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? <laughs> 17 months and, oh my gosh, three and a half months, and wife newish wife three years in almost and yep that's pretty much it all right and i'm cherry minley and i've been a member well i've been coming to cornerstone for about six years and i am a member and uh, we my husband tom and i have been married for almost 39 years and we have four adult children and one of our our oldest son is in heaven so um yeah that's it Perfect. All right. Well, the discussion today is biblical womanhood. And so for those that maybe are like, what do we mean by that? What we mean is, what does it mean to be a godly woman, essentially? Mm -hmm. And so we brought some of the wisest (laughs) women we know (laughs) to answer the question for (laughs) us. (laughs) Maybe Cherry. I, so ser- I serve in children's ministry, so I don't know yeah. how much so, wisdom. Okay. So on, oh, what was it? It was, was it Easter morning or was it Good Friday? <laughs> One of them, I'm standing in the back with Piper, my three-year-old, holding her, and Cherry comes through the back door. <laughs> and right as there's like this quiet moment in yes. the service, I don't know if the music had just ended or Brian mm-hmm. had just prayed or, or whatever it was, but it was completely quiet in the room. Cherry comes through the door and Piper screams, Cherry! <laughs> like she's at a concert and Cherry's performing. Like yeah. that's how excited she was to see her. And so the kids are very well acquainted oh, yeah. that's true. with Cherry. I feel yeah. very loved. All of our kids yeah. <laughs> hang out with Cherry. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a blessing, that's for sure. Oh, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys coming back. Um, I know you guys are a little bit nervous for the last one, but we got a lot of compliments. And uh, I think people are very much looking forward to hearing your perspective on the other side of the conversation and something to look forward to. So if you listen to our biblical manhood uh, episode, we had a bonus episode follow up like an episode or two after that, where we had a bunch of guys together and we just talked about our own pursuit of that. And um, which included who's influencing us, which included um, kind of the cultural clashes we hit from trying to pursue biblical manhood and stuff like that. Um, and so our hope is to be able to do that again with some ladies, get a bunch of ladies together, some godly ladies, and have them just talk about their pursuit of biblical womanhood. And uh, we can just like kind of sit and, uh, and and learn. That'd be awesome. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. A little teaser right there. Yeah. I got a question for you on the spot. 
So the guys, we went to a lake, we smoked ribs and went fishing and talked all night on a podcast. What would you think the equivalent would be for uh, women to do something like that? Or the same. Maybe you guys would want to go and smoke ribs, go fishing, and stay in a tent to get bit by bugs. Or when it starts storming at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, if I remember right now, this, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But if I remember right, Callie's husband, Jack, <laughs> loaded up at like 3 in the morning, went home. He's going to start raining on yeah. him. He yeah. was in the bed of his truck with no tent. Yeah. yeah it's a little more true. understandable. Yeah. He likes to rough it like that. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> I think the equivalent would be um, no babies. That's all we need. Mm, yeah. Just give us a space where, not that we don't love our babies, but just it would be awesome for us to just have time just to talk as women. Um, Sitting around a fire pit would be nice. Oh, yeah. You know, it would be kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's something about fire and conversations. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty universal. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> some s'mores, some, some nice cheese maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so what are your, what are what are your thoughts on biblical womanhood? What does it look like? Let's just start off somebody somebody get going and CJ and I are just gonna ride your coattails. One of the ways we started the the other conversation was like some of the words that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Right, when you think about biblical womanhood. Um well, I'm going to do, I said it the last time when we were here for biblical manhood, I was surprised that they were the same words. So I said um what did I say? Selfless, bold, and loving. And I would say that the same applies for biblical womanhood. Standing by it. Okay. All, <laughs> all right. right. Well, as you can see, I have a whole page oh, full yeah. of names and, and what comes to mind. So, um, but just for, you know, I wasn't sure if we'd go biblical or just womanhood. So, um, but I, I think for, um, I said devoted, caring, strong, or some of my uh, nurturing, emotional, sensitive. I know those are more than just three, but um, those are just some of the words I pulled out. So, um, good. Well, what about uh, if unless and if you guys have somewhere else you want to go, you just let us know. But okay, um, what do you think right now? If you have no biblical concept of womanhood, what do you think? How do you think womanhood is defined right now? Right. Like just in culture, mm-hmm. like what, yeah. what, what is the mass population looking at when they're like, I want to be a wonderful woman? Like, yeah. what are they pursuing then? You know, it's, it's one of those questions that mm-hmm. is like kind of a hot topic yes. right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what is a woman? Right. Like that's going around a lot. And so it'd be interesting to hear your guys' take on that. I, I, what comes to mind to me is independent, mm-hmm. uh, very career oriented. And um, those are a couple of things. Yeah. I would just, you know, play off of that and just, um, independent and, um, kind of just has it all together, like beautiful and, um, focused on self. I mean, it's very, not so much thinking of family or children or, you know, um, just being successful, whether it's an hour, outer, outward appearance or, um, in your performance of a job or, um, and just like appearing like you have it all together. Like I just think of like, you know, the perfect perfect house and um, the perfect hosting skills and all that. I think as a culture, that's kind of what we see as like the perfect woman. Like someone who literally just does it all and does it easily or seemingly it appears to be easily. Um, and definitely selfish. What, what makes me happy? What, how can I get um, my happiness met? Right. Yeah. What are some times you guys have felt the pressure to live up to that cultural ideal 
of womanhood? Like how has that kind of manifested itself in your lives at different times? Mm, that it's like constant. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think the longer I'm alive and the, um, the more my faith grows and my walk grows in the Lord and, and just my identity in him and being secure in that and really knowing, uh, you know, just grabbing a hold of that strongly. Um, that's, you know, that journey of that has helped me be more, you know, confident and not so much focused on and feeling those pressures or succumbing to those. Um, but yeah, I, as younger, I felt very much my self-worth and my value placed in my home and how successful I was in keeping it up or, you know, um, not so much did I feel like I had to have nice things or, or I desired those things, but I felt I had a lot of pressure on myself to be perfect, you know, and if my house was not clean or if I didn't, you know, have everything in order or, you know, um, I think the pressure of your kids being perfect or good and not, you know, those were all things that I measured myself by. And so put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. yeah. I remember you telling me that too. We were at the Mex mm -hmm. Mexican restaurant and yeah. I asked you like, what would you tell like a younger version of yeah. you? And you said to just not stress about the small stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Taking time with your family, your children, um, just that listening or, you know, playing or not, you know, feeling like, uh, you had to, um, have everything in order and perfect mm -hmm. so that you are missing out on, just precious moments in time with them. Yeah. And I think that's just like the grace of God. Like I had this moment the other day where Colby wasn't sleeping. And so she came into our bed, which we never do, but we thought she was sick. So we brought her in the bed and she, you know, how they, they just flail around <laughs> everywhere. Yes. They're crazy yeah. sleepers. Mm -hmm. It's miserable. So at one time in the night, I opened my eyes and her little diaper was right in my face, <laughs> like right on my pillow in my face. <laughs> and then I, I kid you not, I open my eyes, I see this. And right at that moment, I hear, <laughs> and it was like right in my mouth. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And so when that happened, I just like, remember like it being so obvious in that moment, like how far I've come. And like before, you know, I was a flight attendant and I would have these like lavish layovers and like king size beds with like these down comforters. And I would get in my hotel room and turn on the TV, watch Netflix, order room service. I was like living. And now your baby's life. farting now in your I'm mouth. literally eating baby toots. <laughs> like what? And it, it, I was just laughing. I know God has this as a humor, but I was like laughing like, wow like this is so humbling <laughs> yeah and i would struggle with I that needed. i got a weak stomach i can't so, handle yeah. stuff like that so would you say that from a cultural perspective it's not biblical right cultural perspective that you've you've uh traded something that you shouldn't have or or what do like the women of the world how would they look at that mm. trade-off oh for sure right? and what would they say about it i would say well i just gave up my social media for, I've been saying I needed to do it for like two years or three years. I can't even remember like taking a break. Finally, I did. And I just remember like feeling like this pressure that I wasn't like giving my friends what they wanted, you, you yeah. know, which was maybe another version of myself with like the full face of makeup and the revealing clothes and the extensions, all the fake things that the world thinks is beautiful. I literally have traded that in for motherhood and I can't even begin to describe what it's done for my relationship with God, for my walk, just my happiness in general, my 
you know, satisfaction, content. Excuse me, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. This is good. Yeah. My contentment, like all that. I just, it's huge. And yeah. Yeah, I might be disappointing to my friend group that knew me before, but sorry, unfollow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> fine. that's fine with me. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say, Callie, if you could talk to a younger version of yourself? Because oh you asked gosh. Cherry that question. What oh. would you tell her about womanhood? I would say the same thing Cherry told me. I would just say, like, you know, if you think about your life and how short it's going to be, and if you think about what our purpose is, which is just to bring God glory and to please, let everything we do please the Lord, mm. I think that wipes away all that stress and all that, you know, feeling of pressure to be perfect. And you can literally just lay at the Lord's feet and surrender all that. And I wish I would have done it sooner, honestly. And I'm still like, it's not like I've figured it out. You know, I'm just grateful that God has um, made me mother and wife so quickly. So he didn't see me going down the wrong path for longer. Nice. Thanks for that perspective. What about you? So here's a question. Do you think that there's generational differences in what was expected or what is expected? On both, actually, uh, the Christian perspective as well as the secular perspective. Is there a difference in what a biblical woman looks like? Kind of the. I. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is. I was going to say no, but I think there is some differences of. Um, growing up and um when I was younger and my age and everything now and versus the young people I the younger families and everything I see that there is more of um just a natural focus on family and their walk and what's important and what um that it's not as big of a concern as seems like when I was growing up and a lot of focus was on caring for your family and making everything right and perfect and um, l having a certain look as a wife and a mother and, um, and, and just your relationship with the Lord, you know, what the expectation, you know, that's not, you're not being a good Christian if you do this, or you're not, you know, um, yeah, just rating yourself in your walk based on, how you looked or your performances. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is, at least I don't see it the same way now in, in our time in, you know, looking at the young families, they seem more freer, not so stressed about those things. Interesting. Mm. I think too, like the seasons, I just keep coming back to that mm -hmm. term and just, like, I look at you, Cherry, and I envy you because I see how much you serve other people and you serve the church. And I just, like, keep asking God, like, I feel like I'm not doing that. And I'm, like, I don't know, selfish. I feel selfish. But what I keep coming back to and what he's bringing me back to is this is a season where I'm serving my family. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I was listening to Paul Washer the other day and he talked about Proverbs 31 and how his wife came up to him and was like, cause he was saying, this woman is like a super woman, you know, how is she doing all this? And his wife set him down and was like, this is her entire life. Like mm. this is a look from her entire life. And I think that took a lot of pressure off because for me, I'm like, I want to check all these boxes 
And right now I, I just can't because I have two little babies. And so mm-hmm. I think that's something that as women we need to recognize too, that there's just going to be seasons. Yes, yes. And I think that is very important to think about and remember. And I think that's one of um, the things that I just get excited when I look at the young families in our church is the fact that, and I will say this over and over, that um, your ministry is your family, Mm -hmm. you know, and that comes first and that's your mission field. And um, if, if the Lord opens the door and, and allows something else and allows the time, then that's great. He's going to give you everything you need to make that happen and accomplish that. And, um, but to remember that you're not lacking or not fulfilling, you know, um, what is needed or what, you know, he's going to give you and call, if he's calling you to that, that door is going to be open. But right now to just focus and remember that's your ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And raising them and teaching them about the Lord and, and what he brings along that path during that time. There's other young mothers. There's uh, mothers that are maybe um, that don't know the Lord that need that encouragement and um, just witness. And mm-hmm. so I think we get too busy with outside things and it takes away from being the parents God's called us to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so unless it's his will and it's aligning with him, I say just remember that's your ministry. Yeah. That's good. I got a question. Um, so you had brought up Proverbs 31, which I think is interesting. I was wondering if that was going to get brought up. And uh, I, had, I am 1,000% confident that one of the people listening to this uh, podcast as soon as they heard me say, or you say Proverbs 31, they're going to groan and roll their eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, and, and what comes to my mind is the phrase familiarity leads to contempt. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's, it's almost like you hear it so often pretty soon. You're just like, Oh, and you just roll your eyes. Um, for me, I look at that and I say, I see why that happens, right? There's this constant, um, standard or description or something given. And what we find is that the more, we hear about it, whether it's Proverbs 31 or something else, uh, sometimes it does breed contempt. And so the reality though, is that that is a description in the word of God about what he, how he sees, um, an honorable woman. And so how do you, how do you, uh, deal with, how would you deal with the person that's listening, hearing Proverbs 31 and maybe even in Titus and whatever, hearing these things, and uh, being like, uh, you know, like, and doing the rolling eyes, the contempt thing about what a godly woman looks like. Yeah, maybe they get frustrated looking at what they perceive as this really high or maybe impossible standard, yeah. right? How would you address that? Yeah, I would say that I've been there. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Like, I went through that season where, you know, reading through the Bible, there was a lot of moments. Um, one specifically is, Aaron and Miriam, where he, um, Aaron messes up, right? And then he sends, or he gives leprosy to Miriam, right? And sends her, sends her into exile. And that bothered me so bad for so long 
because I was like, why is it always the woman? You know, I was questioning. Are you God. whispering right now? I don't know. <laughs> I they, like, they can still hear you. I, I'm like, I wonder if God, I'm like, I shouldn't question God. <laughs> but I was, I was, you know, going through that period where, um, yeah, it was just, I was trying my hardest to be what I thought was a biblical woman. And it's, it's an effort and I don't think it's ever going to be perfect, but that would just be Proverbs 31 is just an example, something that we can strive towards. And like I said, I don't think she was all those things in one day. Mm -hmm. It probably, she went through seasons where she was a young mother, just like me. And she was like, you know, never got out of her pajamas or brushed her mm -hmm. teeth that day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they brushed their teeth. You know how I am about teeth. Yeah. After, <laughs> after what happened to you in bed, I hope that you brushed your teeth. <laughs> no. I hope that day. No. <laughs> yeah, I got up out of bed right, right away. Um, but yeah, I would just tell her um, to be faithful and know that the word of God is spirit breathed and we can't question the Lord, even when culture tells us it's okay, it's not okay. What mm -hmm. the Bible says is the truth. Mm -hmm. so, so maybe revisit it later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Timing. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. question to you then, um, and not that you have to answer this, but my question would be, because to be honest, I'm thinking of this one person and the person that's listening right now knows who I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> so say that that person says, well, just because... Um, that, that that person, you know, wasn't perfect or um, or d does kids mean that the standard changes? We would say, well, no. So then what does, and same issues apply like in the biblical manhood thing, right? So just so people don't feel like, you know, we're bashing just, just women. Go, go listen to the biblical manhood one too. <laughs> and we beat them up too. So uh, the question I think that this person would struggle with that I'm thinking of is, well, it doesn't, the standard doesn't change for what a biblical woman looks like. And so, like, how do kids play a role in that? Where it sounds like sometimes it's like, well, I don't have to be a, this godly woman in this way because I have kids or I'm going through this or um, there's these circumstances in my life. How do you, how does a biblical woman work through those things? I, that's what I'm getting at because there's a lot of difficulties, right? And I think that um, the standards that are constantly set that we kind of started off the conversation with, um, you know, are difficult and weighty. And so then how do you navigate that knowing that there really is an impact when you have kids, but yet the standard isn't changing. How do you get through that? That's what I tried to say at the last like 60 seconds right there. <laughs> um, okay. I'm trying to grasp your question. So, let me give you a second to think. Okay. I'm going to restate okay. it clearer. Okay. So how does a biblical woman deal with the reality that there are things in life that turns their world upside down, and yet the standard for what a biblical woman doesn't change? Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate all these things? Like, first off, getting married, right? For both people in that marriage, you know, it's, it's wonderful, it's exciting, but things change, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole world. Mm -hmm. Like, first off, selfishness. You want to destroy a marriage, just stay selfish, right? Well, so there's a lot of changes there. Having kids, there's a lot of changes there. Empty nesters, a lot of changes there. Uh, sickness, a lot of changes there. Uh, you know, and then once one spouse is widowed, changes there. How do you, how does somebody continue in those and then still deal with the standard being the same? 
I mean, I think you have to recognize that, our, you know, it's a walk with the Lord. It's an ongoing thing. And each, you know, he, uh, I guess not having that, um, taking on the thought process of perfection, that you have to be perfect or you do things right all the time. We have to realize that um, we need the Lord. No matter what the circumstances, it's always going to be taking that time out to be with him, to, you know, um, sit with him, to... I, you know, just being with the Lord every day is going to help um, help us keep our mind where it needs to be mm-hmm. to get through those those days. We have to say, "I failed, Lord." It's confessing, it's recognizing that um, I know this isn't who I am. I know this isn't how I should behave. This is how I was today, Lord, and I failed and. Forgive me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just constantly um, learning to just walk with him every day and um, and forgive ourselves and, um, you know, ask for that help from him in those matters where we are still doing it the same every day, you know, failing or that one particular thing, getting angry over or the expectations and demands, you know, um, that's just going to be an ongoing thing in any relationship, anyone who has a relationship with the Lord, um, whether you're male or female. um, I'm not sure if that's answering your question. That's perfect. Let Mm -hmm. me try to summarize. You tell me if this is what you're saying. You're saying that, the standard doesn't change. So the reality is, is that there's times where we fail. Yeah. And just being able to call it, not cover it up, but just call right. it like I've failed. Right. And then additionally, you're saying that the same grace that applies throughout a person's life and all other circumstances also applies in motherhood and fatherhood. Mm-hmm. So as we're failing in those areas, those are areas mm-hmm. we go to repent and the same grace of God that is with uh, the person that is struggling with anger mm-hmm. in their heart applies to the, well, in this case, uh, the woman that has fallen short of what God has called for that particular woman. There's still grace in that and there's still forgiveness in that. And the same loving father is the one that died on the cross so that you won't be condemned for those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and having that person that you can, you know, you have your accountability, accountability partner or a person that you go to and and to talk those things with help encourage you you know to help be praying for you or sometimes just talking about with them they have words of encouragement or wisdom or something that helps you get beyond some of that you know so um, god uses those people in our lives as well to help us overcome those failures too yeah Mm -hmm. and i would just say like a lot of our expectations are self-inflicted i think that we put too much pressure on ourselves and if we are getting alone with him, like you're saying, Jane, right. get in your quiet place with him. You won't feel those pressures right. to be perfect. Right. That's how we're going to get released from those is yes. by getting our fill of our value from him instead of what we checked, you know, off our boxes today and right. how perfect we were in our task. Yes. Well, I, 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 you tell me what you think about this. Okay. So both, both of y'all. So I think that it appears to me at times that um, that the I set too high expectations for myself 
is almost like the humble brag sometimes, right? Where it's like, you know, like, oh, like, what's your biggest weakness? I just work too hard. You know, like, I just set too high. <laughs> I just set too high of expectations for myself. Um, where I would say that you living in that reality is dangerous because what I think it reveals most of the time is that you're not living to please the Lord. Mm-hmm. That those expectations typically are tied to trying to please the people around you. Mm-hmm. Those are where those or, or an yeah. ego, yeah. right, or, or yourself, R- rather than having a, a an understanding um, of that. I'm I'm trying to glorify God mm-hmm. in these things, and and I believe that there are. I'm not saying there aren't people who who are like my expectations for how I should glorify the Lord are too high, and I got to realize that I'm a sinful person that needs the grace of God. I believe there's people like that. But often I hear the, I just have too high expectations for myself or other people have too high expectations. Those expectations are coming from what the secular world says is valuable. And you're trying to straddle what the secular world wants from you to please Mm -hmm. them and get some fulfillment of that. And also Mm. what the Lord calls us to and try to get fulfillment from Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Where we kind of have to abandon one of those. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Our perception of, of what something looks like or what we place. Like for me, I know when... I go back to that thinking of my self-worth or, you know, what I was able to accomplish in a day made me feel like I was a good wife or a good mother. So I had my checklist. And if I didn't get those things done, I was not happy with myself. I didn't have a good day. So when Tom came through the door, it was like, you know, how was your day? Fine. You know, I was not happy because but what he probably felt and heard was wow i'm she's not happy to see me home Mm -hmm. well it was like he's home and i don't have my list done i have failed Mm. i'm not a good wife i'm not a good mother and those were my beliefs and feelings and that expectation that you're talking about on myself all the time so that i was always so if i got through those things in a day i felt great you know what yeah. oh, was good day yeah. you know oh wonderful and so to it took me a while to see that understand that and know that those are not important that's not who I am that's not you know does not validate me as a person but that's what I believe that's what our culture our society said makes a good wife a good mother everything's in order and mm-hmm. you know flowing smoothly so yeah and I'm yeah. thinking about the women that are working outside the home, yes. too, and the yeah. pressure they feel. Mm. And even more so, that pressure exactly. came on me because I'm at home. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Mm. I should have all this done. That's a good point. Yes, you know, I shouldn't be in my pajamas and still haven't brushed my teeth. <laughs> so now I'm a so grandmother. A yes, now I'm a grandmother yeah. and take care of our grandbaby. And so um, you might stop by, and I'm still in my pajamas. And <laughs> so... But that's okay. I'll still I'll answer the door, and <laughs> you will come over, and my house won't be neat and neat and tidy. But I will not be explaining it away anymore, and I won't. You know, I will be like, "Come on in," you know. So I've had okay. to learn to let go of that and not be fearful of it. So, mm-hmm. um, or validate my self worth from it. So yeah, I have a question. So we've talked, you know, a lot about kids and motherhood and things like that. So. Um, for the woman that might be listening who um, can't have kids for whatever reason, right? Might be struggling um, with some kind of issue or, or for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if you guys would have anything to say to her about what womanhood looks like independent from children, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. we can tie it directly to that yes. when it's yes. maybe just an yeah. aspect and it can be part of biblical womanhood, but maybe not the 
the root of it. Yeah, right? for and sure. Part two of that same question, we would we'd be curious to know, like, what about all the single ladies? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, out, outside what does their womanhood look yeah. like? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember I was at a Baptist church in Texas, and the pastor said that um, the greatest contribution that we could have to the world would be to um, reproduce, to have babies. And I remember thinking, because at that time I was so stressed out. I was probably like 20, maybe younger, but I was worried that I wouldn't be able to have kids one day. And I remember thinking, like, that hit me so hard because I was like, well, what if I can't? Then what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. Um, but Dang. yeah, now that I'm older, I just realized like, no, the calling does not change for men and women as far as go and make disciples of all nations. So as I just think if you're not able to have kids or maybe you're single, I would say plug into missions as much as you can, because there might be a time in your life when you are married or maybe you decide to adopt. Um, and you're not that you're tied up, but you're going to have a different ministry. And so if your desire is to go and make disciples, um, I would say plug in and do it. Do it now. That's what I would tell my younger self. (laughs) Well, I would say that being a, a godly woman has nothing to do with being married or having children. Those are just, you know, blessings God gives us, um, because he loves us. Um, being, you know, um, a godly woman is having that relationship with our father. And so it's being a woman of faith. It's, you know, having that hope in God, you know, and just being a, a fearless, uh, woman for him, living for him, a woman of compassion and caring and, um, you know, uh, a boldness, but then there's a, a meekness, a gentleness, a, you know, a tenderness, com, you know, passion, compassionate, all the things that Christ is, that is developing that relationship, being a godly woman. And it isn't something that's just overnight. It comes from when he enters into our hearts until the day we die, you know, mm-hmm. and go be with him, you know, is um, just constantly being that fellowship, that relationship with him. And so um, whether you're single or whether you're unable to have children, um, being godly is and should be that fulfilling relationship with him and Mm -hmm. being that light and um, woman to whoever God brings in your path, into your life. You know, so like you're saying, whatever um, ministry you're doing, whatever, you know, opportunities um, God brings you get to be you know, the image of him and yeah. his ambassador and love. and Yeah. So you're, you're affirming on our podcast for our listeners <laughs> that you can be a godly woman who is single. You can be a godly woman who's unable to have kids. You can be a godly woman and not be married. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's okay. what I'm saying. <laughs> so one more question, um, because I, I think it kind of segues from that one. Are there or have you ever experienced um, any pressures within Christian culture from other Christian women that you later realized may not be explicitly like biblically rooted? 
Does that question make sense? So mm-hmm. you're like saying something told to women, other Christians telling other Christian women, this is what you need to do to be a godly woman. These are the mandates of it, essentially. Right, and right. you're later like, wait a second. And even if it's not explicitly said, but something that you feel maybe implied a lot, right? Yeah. Or or some kind of like um, ambient pressure to be a certain way or talk a certain way or do a certain thing or, you know, I don't know. I, I just kind of mm-hmm. thrown that out there for conversation. Is there anything even within Christian culture, so not just the greater culture in society, right, that you've realized, oh, that's kind of like a, a weird Christian culture thing that may not be actually biblical? Mm-hmm. I personally ha- I can't recall something, but I do see um, and hear more so n- with my daughters and, and young women who aren't married, the pr- or men even too, you know, that the pressure of that you have to be married, that, you know, you know why aren't you married? Or, you know, um, I think there's such, so much pressure put on young people that it's something that, you know, should be done. And I think there's a lot of, I don't think that that, you know, I think it's, it isn't something that's biblical. It says you have to be married. You know? Yeah. I mean, um, Paul even calls singleness a gift. Yes. For, yes. First Corinthians yeah. chapter seven, yes. verse eight. Right. Yes. You know, it, there, there's, there's a benefit. Yeah. Right. Oh. And so you're made to feel like there's something wrong with you or, um, you know, you're not complete. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. That you're using man or women or marriage or children to complete you. And yes. that is such a false truth. It is. I think that there's a perception that uh, if you're not married, that you're probably a selfish human being. <laughs> That's what I think the root would come down to, to mm-hmm. be honest. For I mean, for for Christians, I, because I think some would say, "No, well, you know, in, in the Bible, you know, they're they're made, they're created for each other and and uh, go it, forth and multiply." Yeah, and I yeah. think that I'm like, well, you'd have to deal like you have to harmonize Scripture together. It's God's collective word, you know. Just like when you read a letter written to you, you don't read the first three sentences and throw it away and be like, "Okay," like you know, you got to deal with First Corinthians chapter seven, um, where there is a benefit. And to be honest, the benefit of staying single is that you can serve God more wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. and because Obviously, even in as the Bible describes what marriage is, there's mm-hmm. sacrifices made within it, and mm-hmm. you're pouring yourself mm-hmm. out for your spouse, and it just allows you to do ministry um, differently in a in a different way. And so there is a benefit to it. And so I think that that's a really good one, the the be married thing, or yeah. uh, one that I think that uh, that Emily and I feel oddly susceptible to, in the sense of people may may think we are of this mindset, is that you got to have a lot of kids. Like if you're a Christian, you gotta have a lot of kids. If you're a Christian, you can't just have one kid. You gotta have like 15 kids. And just because my wife and I have five, sometimes we worry that like other people are gonna think that like we're of that mindset. Like, and we're not really, to be honest. We're just we just happen to have five kids. I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no. So so what? Let me ask you a question. Okay. So let's say that that happened, right? Um, what happened? Well, let's say like someone is like looking around cause we have a lot of big families and that's yeah. not just you, yeah. right? There's a lot of big families at Cornerstone. Yeah. Like, and I guess this is kind of what I was trying to get at is like, is there any, like, I can't think of a better term than like ambient pressure, right? Cause no one's saying it, yeah. but just like this, um, ethos maybe like at the church, like, 
that uh, if you want to be like really a cornerstonian, like you'll have six kids, right? Or, or whatever it is. So the person that has no kids for whatever reason, or the person that has one and then can't have any more or for whatever reason, right? Um, like what would you say to them when they look at a passage like go forth and multiply and fill the earth? So um, are, are they, you know, not fulfilling that scripture or, you know, if they're feeling discouraged about that, like what would we say to like, especially that mom, I guess. Well, I mean, so I, it's interesting when people um, ask questions like that, because I think that it's, for, for me, it's just kind of simple. Just perfectly consider, mm-hmm. just like you perfectly consider other things. You know, the Bible doesn't say six, doesn't say five, doesn't mm-hmm. say three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says multiply. And to be honest, I think that there maybe is a hint of a teaching that those, uh, that it is, um, a blessing, right? They're like, they're arrows in your quiver, which is something that, you know, is, is a good thing. Um, they're, they're gifts from heaven, right? There, there's all this like terminology to say that like kids are good. And I think being fruitful and multiply, multiplying Christians, having kids and raising the known fear of the Lord, that is a good cycle that mm-hmm. is intended by Christ. But I think that one thing that we don't do because it's a super slippery slope is begin to pretend like we know what fruitful and multiplying means specifically. And I, I tend to believe that when scripture is vague about something, it's intentionally vague. Maybe it's because it's supposed to create good conversation, or maybe it's because there's the only, it's the knowledge that belongs to the Lord and not ours. And so like if somebody, well, partly there's probably not a lot of people, if they have one kid that I know enough to even make a comment about, like maybe they can't have kids you know maybe they have been having loss after loss after loss after loss like mm-hmm. like i would have to know that person pretty well um to even be willing to engage in a conversation like that and to be honest i mean i get away with it now because i just always say like i'm young and dumb i i, I don't know like <laughs> how many kids i don't know yeah like what and it seems like having no kids well it says you know to the unmarried and widow so they wouldn't be married that they that they don't have kids but uh, I, I don't know what the number is mm-hmm. i mean i think that you know, if you're married and you can't have kids, you should probably look into why there's such, there's such considered such a blessing, and we're, you know, it, it does appear like we're supposed to be having kids. So, and I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with those individual people that are going through things and um, hear everything out. But I'm not willing to put a number on it. That's for sure. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't asking you to. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking like, um, no, I got your question. It's a good I, question. I wanted to tease out motherhood from biblical womanhood a little bit. Yeah. Just make sure, because they go together, they're complimentary, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure they're, um, what's the word? Um, I, Exclusive? I, I don't, I, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's not really what I was trying to go for, but basically like um, you can have biblical womanhood without motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I was trying to get down yeah. to. That was one of the things right. that I, th- I think it's important to draw out from yeah. this discussion, right? Yeah. And also like, I think same thing with marriage. Like you're not waiting to become a biblical woman to get married and sanctified by your husband. Right, <laughs> Kelly. <East. laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah. We're laughing because we've had some good conversations with Kelly, and she uh, she wants to box those kind of comments. So, yeah. <laughs> so on that, like, what what are some ways that um, men, Christian men, in the life of women can help encourage like mm-hmm. good, godly, biblical womanhood? Right, whether it be just the the men they're going to church with, if they're single, or their husbands, or or fathers. You know, like, what are some some ways that the men can support what God is doing in the women at their church. Now, now just to make a note, Callie knows this. <laughs> she said she bristled at this question when we yeah. asked. And so I'm asking I'm how I can help. I know. Well, no, we're supposed to be offended. I think we'd be like, it's not my responsibility. Yeah. You go be your godly woman. But I think the question, 
I appreciate the question because the reality is we do have an impact on each other. And right. so if there is a way that I can help uh, encourage or support or whatever way, women be godly women, I would mm -hmm. want to know that and I would hate for my ignorance to <laughs> cause somebody to struggle. Or, or at the very least, not be a roadblock to it. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if we if you even oh, want to phrase it now that Kelly way. Now Kelly agrees. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. it, how do I get out of the way of yeah. what God is doing if you wanted yeah. to put it that way? Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at it in the perspective of marriage just because I'm married. And I think there's there's things that I've learned that I do that are not helpful for my wife, like absolutely not helpful. And uh, I wish I could know them all now so I don't have to make the mistake to learn from it. But anyways, great, great question. How can we get out of the way and help support this? I think men feel like a lot of responsibility. And part of that plays into their... Um, responsibility for their wives or maybe their sisters or their mothers and sometimes that can turn into control and just this need to like um you know really bear down and try to um like mold your your the women in your life to be a certain way um and I would just say release that let uh the woman pursue God and let him tell her exactly what she needs to be and what he created her to be. And I think a lot of times, CJ, back to your question in the church, there's this pressure for women to be meek and quiet. And I think that is biblical. But at the same time, I think there are personalities that God created that are loud and are um, more vocal. And I don't think that was by mistake. You know, God doesn't mess up. And so I would just say to um, just encourage your the women in your life to to see what her natural giftings are and see how she can use that for the Lord and to glorify Him. Nice. What do you think, Jerry? Well, I think um, I think there's sometimes maybe there isn't anything you can do to help. It's something that, you know, we have to go through and, um, you know, take to the Lord and allow the Lord to help us, but, um, or show us or reveal it. Um, but I think it's just that as we, I think we both male and female, we need to know our, our role, I guess, as, um, and be aware of, how God's created each one of us and um, have that openness in our relationship where you're communicating with one another so that you should be able to talk about those things and, and say, how can I help you? Can I help you? And we should be open to not really, you know, I appreciate you wanting to help, but this is something I got to take care of, you know, being able to encourage one another, just like we would, um, as a body, mm -hmm. but making sure that we allow each side, husbands, wives, to be able to encourage each other without being defensive or viewing it wrong. Or if we our hairs are standing up, maybe there's, you know, something that we really need to be dealing with ourselves and so that we can receive our husband's support and encouragement and words, you know. That's good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I'll just <clears throat> confess myself. Wow. It is really raining outside. Right yeah. <laughs> We're excited because this is California. Yeah. Yeah. We want our lake to fill up so we can hit the lake with some rods. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I think that one of the things that I've seen just counseling with people, but also just even particularly in my life is that, um, I'll phrase it this way. I had a friend say one time about their husband, you're not the Holy Spirit. And we made a, made a good joke about that, but I've thought a lot about that in that I think sometimes uh, young, well, probably all sorts of men, but young men begin to think that as if they're going to set the standard for holiness in their house. And I think that if their process, their means by which they do that is that they hold themselves accountable and are above reproach, maybe that's fine. But I believe what happens sometimes is God begins to give more grace than we're allowed, than we're willing to give. And that creates a really bad environment for a marriage. And so I think for me that there needs to be grace. My house has to be a house that's full of grace Mm -hmm. in it. And that God is going to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit is going to sanctify my wife and kids in different ways at different paces and due to different circumstances at his, at his own rate. Now, I don't believe that means that husbands and wives don't uh, encourage each other like the iron mm-hmm. sharpens iron type of encouraging. Uh, but I do think that we have to be careful of that. It's not so that our house is worshiping us, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that it's that we recognize the grace that is given for growth and the one who grows a person is not us, it's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And and then provide a house of grace, a bed of grace for that growth to happen. And be careful not to try to get our houses to worship us. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of summarized my own struggles. I, I observed early on uh, in, in my marriage with myself. And then also as we've done like counseling for thousands of hours with people, that, that sense tends to be something that seems honorable on its face but can destroy marriages, mm. right? Because it's usually phrased in like, I just want, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they end up removing the grace that God has intended for growth in marriage. And then we try to be the Holy Spirit. And then we end up crushing our spouse and kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I realized um, as a younger married man that the trap that I had fallen into, it was... Um, instead of constantly trying to turn my wife's eyes to Christ, which I thought that's what I was doing. Right. But the, the way it worked itself out was really, I was trying to turn her towards, um, my standard of, uh, holiness. Right. So I set myself up as the standard instead of Christ. And Mm -hmm. so it became like, why don't you read your Bible as much as I do? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, why aren't you praying as much as I do? Why aren't you serving as much as I do? Right. That's a really bad place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really bad place to be because you're, you're sitting on the throne that isn't yours in that situation. And yeah. Christ needs to be on that throne and you need to turn her eyes to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so it's the same thing like what you were saying. Um, and the reason I kind of rephrased the question initially was like to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit is because that really was my experience. Like yeah. once I stopped yeah. hounding her, you know, about <laughs> stuff like that and backed off, what I did is I committed way more of that prayer time that I was so proud about to praying for her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And I, and I started praying for her on a regular basis. And, mm-hmm. and I have seen the Holy spirit do his thing once I got out of my way, right. out of his way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that secretly CJ and I for years have talked about this amongst ourselves about, you know, our, our own, like, you know, st- you know, just 
just trying to do the right thing and end up doing the wrong thing. And so this is kind of what we've discussed in our example and maybe challenge to other men that are listening of ways that, you know, we can slip into hindering and uh, being a, a hurdle in the way um, of what God is doing through these godly women, you know, and, and it probably comes down to a little bit of a pride issue with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of humble ourselves. So, yeah. and luckily to be honest, I think that CJ and I both agree that it's other men in our lives uh, beating us up pretty good. That helps us, <laughs> you know, brings things up in that and, and uh, confronting each other um, that has helped us through those things. But uh, in conclusion, Okay, we're going to wrap up. So in conclusion, um, a question, if you would so grace us with the answers, uh, what are some of the most helpful things you would you have found yourself or advice you have for women that clicked on this link because they're like, I want to be a godly woman. Like, what do I do? Right. Like step, step, step one. Yeah. Like. Right nice. Now. There she is. Okay. We Sherry got has literally written it down. It. Let's hear it, Sherry. <laughs> nice. Uh, I just wrote down a few things that, um, always stay in God's word, um, allow it to encourage you, strengthen and nourish you. Um, I would say pray, um, ask God to use you, ask him to reveal the things that matter to him. Um, so take all your hearts, your hurts, your worries, your dreams and petitions to God. Um, know the things that matter. Um, the things that we hold firm to that we know of who God is and um, that he has placed heavily in our heart. Um, make uh, When you make a stand for these issues, make sure you know why God stands for them. And the, speak with gentleness. Always remember who um, you are representing. Every time you open your mouth to voice and opinion or an idea, always speak with love. Um, I had Proverbs 15 one there. I didn't write it out. Um, but also respect authority was another thing that um, all authority comes from God. Request, um, oh, respect those he has placed over us, um, our husbands, um, our fathers, that, uh, pastors, elders, and other leaders. So good. That's good. That's very practical. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I would didn't say, know you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> God knew. Ready. Got yeah. out of the Holy Spirit's way. That's what we did. <laughs> All right, Kelly, what do you got? I would say just um, kind of the same thing. Just get alone with him. Um, mm-hmm. He is real. And I think if you put yourself in a room and um, focus and realize that you're praying mm-hmm talking to a real person who you can have a relationship with that's where to start because literally everything else will fall into place Mm -hmm. and make sense and all your desires will be met in him um so i would say just to seek the lord awesome cj any closing thoughts here no it's good i don't want to ruin it (laughs) well uh what a wonderful conversation this has been a super exciting hopefully our uh, listeners you've appreciated this also if you have feel free to make comments below and we'll make sure and share those comments with these ladies who took time out of their day and life uh, to come and share with us so um thanks for listening again and uh, hopefully you can look forward to in the future hearing a group of five or six ladies get together and talk about their pursuit of these things in real life. So 
Uh, with that, thanks again for listening, and we will get back to you in another couple weeks. <laughs>